Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton, and this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Had a very cool conversation with Don Campbell. He is the former ambassador to Japan, former Canadian ambassador to Japan. And we're talking a lot about, I guess, the new TPP, the Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership. That is alphabet soup right there for you, CPTPP. But we go in depth about his thoughts on our relationship with Japan, how uh, maybe it went a little sideways last fall as the um, Trudeau government was negotiating its position on this new U.S. free TPP that went forward. But stay with us. We have many insights from this former ambassador, spent five years living in Japan, and just what this relationship means and why we actually fell behind Australia for an extended period of time and maybe what this new free trade deal means for regaining a lot of that ground that we lost out on. So stay with us. Uh, This is Don Campbell. Good to have you with us today at Roundhouse Radio 98.3. You're listening to Business in Vancouver. We're the daily business program from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe. I'm Tyler Orton. Japan's taken a leadership role in moving along the new comprehensive and progressive agreement for the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And as governments look to ratify the new agreement, the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade is this week hosting a discussion on trading opportunities for Canada and Japan. And Kirk, you'll actually be there uh, facilitating this. Yeah, I'll be moderating this, but we're going to get a nice taste of it, this uh, this segment with uh, uh, Canada's former ambassador to Japan, Don Campbell. He's a senior strategy advisor with DLA Piper Canada. Good to have you with us. Uh, pleasure to be with you. Yeah. So uh, let's take a look at what the um, the trading opportunities have been with Japan over the years. What, what kind of business does our country do with it? Well, if you look over the uh, years, we've had a fairly stable relationship with Japan. It's been about 25 billion two-way trade, uh, slight, uh, uh, in, that's in, uh, in goods or merchandise, uh, slight uh, uh, surplus on the part of uh, Japan. Uh, the, I, what I think is the uh, unfortunate part of it is that it's been on a plateau for the last 20 years. If you looked at the figures 20 years ago, they were close to 25 billion two-way trade. They went down in the early 19, in the early uh, 2000s, and they're back up to about 25,000 two-way. From a Canadian export perspective, it's been heavily weighted with uh, uh, commodities, uh, with uh, uh, with wheat, with barley, with canola, oil seeds, uh, forest uh, uh, products, and agri-food has been a, a very big uh, item. Uh, from the Japanese side, it's been much more uh, high-tech, uh, a lot of automobiles, uh, precision uh, equipment, that kind of uh, thing. It's changed a bit. There used to be more uh, retail from uh, products uh, and technology products from Japan, but a lot of those have moved off to uh, Korea, Taiwan, China, and to other uh, countries now. The uh, so it, it's been it's been a, a fairly static uh, relationship. Uh, what I think we we have both taken each other much too much for granted. Yeah, it's a situation. If you look at if you look at uh, uh, Australia Japan trade twenty years ago, it was about half of what we are uh, today. Australia is about seventy uh, a billion in two way trade with a surplus uh, with Japan. And uh, Australia uh, markets many of the same things that we do, 
Obviously, if we were shipping LNG, that would be a, a major a boost, which Australia is uh, doing to this. But I think it's a market that uh, has too much been taken for granted by mm. both sides, but particularly by Canada. Mm. So does the new CPP or the CPTPP agreement, uh, yeah, is I that… I love those words, CP, comprehensive and progressive. Well, Kirk that's, and I, uh, we... that's, a, that's a Canadianism if there ever was one. <laughs> that's right. It, it's, uh... What did we decide on, Kirk? Well, we decided last week it was cap trap. Uh, but uh, not to be confused with claptrap. Uh, but but Don, I know, has a, a bit of a bee in the bonnet around the idea of it being a comprehensive agreement. So what what, uh, what do you think this means? Well, the agreement, I think, is tremendously important for Canada, and the big prize for Canada in finally uh, getting ourselves in the door or deciding to walk through the door that was wide open uh, for us certainly is Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh Japan is the largest economy in the uh, uh, CPTPP, with the uh, absence of uh, uh, with the absence of the United States, and uh, uh, Canada is the second largest after that. We've been trying to get a bilateral free trade agreement with Japan for many years. There have been comprehensive studies, there have been negotiations, but we were never able to do it bilaterally. And the TPP or the CPTPP affords that uh, opportunity. What will that do in terms of the uh, trading uh, relationship? Uh, first of all, in terms of the, uh, the traditional kinds of things, it's going to bring tariffs down tremendously. If you just look at, uh, if you just look at the merchandise uh, trade today, the, the reduction in tariffs will bring an almost immediate effect of about 350 million less in, um, in, in tariffs that we're currently paying. Uh, more importantly, it is opening up the market and giving us a, a preference uh, in that market on things like beef and uh, and pork, uh, for example, that we didn't uh, have before. It'll be an advantage over the USA and it'll be leveling the playing ground with the United States. So I think that if we step up, and it's not just in the traditional things, if we step up to the plate, uh, there is, I think, a significant opportunity for Canada. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of... Uh, you know, macro studies done. I think most of these studies, all of which are, show a positive thing, usually underestimate uh, the um, the improvement in the uh, trading relationship. Yeah, that was the way with NAFTA. It was the way with the FTA. It certainly was with sure. NAFTA, yeah. and I think it certainly yeah. will be the same situation yeah. with uh, uh, with our relationship uh, with Japan. Hmm. Well, tell me, let's say hypothetically I'm an exporter. I'm looking at this market. I've not done business in there before. You've got a lot of experience with this country. What do Canadian firms need to know when they go and do business in a country like Japan? Well, I think first of all, the the big commodity uh, players are they're going to continue that uh, commodity trade. That's going to change a bit. For example, in the case of something like canola, Japan has had progressively higher tariffs on on uh, processing, uh, so that we only were shipping the raw seeds. We'll now be able to ship the oil in at a much lower tariff than was the case before. Uh, but I think we need to move uh, into a whole array of products. I think agri-food, which can be a very highly uh, value-added uh, area, is going to be a very important one. Uh, the market, first of all, Japan, uh, I don't want to say it's an easy market, but Japan is a, a sophisticated, advanced uh, country. Uh, with a high, uh, a highly uh, uh, sophisticated uh, consumer, uh, so they're looking for quality. They're looking for uh, 
for a difference. It's a country with the rule of law, so some of the issues surrounding intellectual property and not those <laughs> sets of things are not really an issue yeah. uh, with Japan. Uh, it's penetrating uh, Japanese culture, uh, so it's very much attuning yourself for the uh, for the Japanese market, whether it's a good or a service. And I think while the the CPTPP doesn't have as much on services, I think there's a great opportunity for Canada in the services uh, sector, particularly things like health uh, services, uh, where you have an aging population and a lot of attention uh, uh, paid in the uh, in, in terms of healthcare. Um, Australia, Canada's done done not badly in terms of educational services, uh, but Australia has. Uh, wiped us off the map in a way huh. uh, on that. So I think that's another area where we could, we could continue to do more. Uh, tourism is actually uh, picking up a bit, having gone down. That's another uh, services area. So if you're an exporter of goods or services uh, and have not looked at the Japanese market, you, you do your homework. Uh, there's a lot of advice and counsel available to you. Uh, you, you have obviously the Canadian Trade Commissioner Service, and I'm always astonished at how many companies are not aware of the services of the yeah. uh, Canadian Trade Commissioner Services. There's Export Development uh, uh, Corporation and the Japanese, even with Jetro. Uh, the Japanese are one of the few countries that are actually promoting imports as much as uh, hmm. exports. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of help at hand, and obviously talking to people who are already uh, in, the, uh, in the market. And part of it, of course, is getting into value chains as well. I mean, it's interesting, for example, if you look at the other side, uh, the Japanese have traditionally, it's been the big uh, uh, trading companies who've been here. We have about, uh, we have over 30 billion uh, invested in Canada in the automotive sector and the trading uh, companies. But you're now starting see, to see retail move in here in Vancouver. You've seen uh, yeah. Muji, Muji yeah. Come, yeah. On, uh, come on board. You've... Uh, 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 Mitsui has taken interest in Indochino, for example. Uh, you've had the acquisition of Daya, the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the vegan uh, uh, products uh, uh, company by the Japanese, but very much using Vancouver as the base, at least for uh, North America. So getting into those, 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 those chains, those value uh, chains, I think, is another way in which business, and a lot yeah. of business is done through that. Don Campbell's our guest. He's a former ambassador to Japan. He's a senior advisor at DLA Piper Canada. We're talking about Canada-Japan uh, trade and the opportunities that exist there. You mentioned earlier the sophistication, of course, of the Japanese consumer. Uh, does that mean that uh, the Canadian companies looking to do business in Japan need to have uh, need to take their game up considerably around what it is that they're going to be offering, uh, how it is that they're going to go into the country and do business, um, what kind of preparation they need to make in order to make their pitches properly into the, the Japan, uh, Japan uh, supply chain? Well, I think they are going to, uh, in some cases, they're going to need to up their game to know what Japanese uh, quality requirements are. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a country that pays, pays tremendous attention to quality, to standards, uh, to Japanese standards, I mean, the, the Canadian forest industry has done very well because we are making Japanese dimension uh, forest products, uh, lumber in uh, mm. Canada. So you need to look at uh, the requirements for Japan. There's another area I should mention, too, is that and, and when you're into the world of digital trade, 
Uh, the Japanese have always been very uh, open and interested as their, their own distribution system has changed in Japan. Uh, they've been very open to actually procuring abroad. Uh, they, uh, they were very interested in what we used to call mail order uh, uh, products long after North America was not looking at mail order any longer. Huh. And, of course, when you look at digital trade, in many ways – uh, you're ordering online, but you, you, the physical product has to go. So it's a different version of that. So there are opportunities uh, for Canada without ever leaving uh, Canada in terms of that, of getting onto those, uh, those uh, cyber uh, networks and doing business that way as well. We're speaking to Don Campbell. He's a former ambassador to Japan. He's also senior strategy advisor with DLA Piper Canada. We're going to continue this conversation after the break. Stay with us here on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. I'm Tyler Orton. And I'm Kirk LaPointe. Stay with us. That's Don Campbell, former Canadian ambassador to Japan. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott accountants and business advisors a call at 604-714-3600 at 604-714. 714-3600, or else check them out on their website. That's at manningelliot.ca. Now stick with us. We're going to continue our conversation with Don Campbell, Canada's former ambassador to Japan. Welcome back to the program. You're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3 today. We're the daily business program from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe. I'm Tyler Orton. Later on this week, the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade is facilitating a discussion between Don Campbell. He is the former ambassador to Japan, as well as a senior strategy advisor with DLA Piper Canada. Kirk, you're going to be facilitating that conversation. It's It's going to be wide-ranging. Great panel that uh, has been assembled. Ian McKay is going to uh, precede it. He's now uh, doing the uh, doing the Invest in Canada initiative. Uh, uh, it's part of the uh, Canadian uh, Canada Japan Interparliamentary Association. So uh, it's actually a fairly big uh, day of, um, of for a business, I think, to come and learn a little bit about the opportunities uh, for uh, for Canadians in Japan uh, and, for that matter, for uh, the Japanese in Canada. Uh, Don, it, 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 I think we probably touched on this a bit in our earlier segment, but um, have there been barriers, do you think, for Canadian business to think through their strategies in Japan? Oh, I think there certainly have been uh, been uh, barriers. I think one of the issues is a cultural barrier to start with. Sure. Uh, obviously, most uh, Canadian businesses, if they're thinking of export, think of our neighbor to the south immediately. Uh, and that is probably the first place they have gone and probably the first place they should go. And having got their feet wet there, there then start to look at, at other markets, uh, particularly in Asia. But when you look at the markets in Asia, uh, Japan probably offers uh, the, the, the best opportunity because it's a, uh, an advanced uh, developed country. It has the rule of law. It's got all of the sets of things there. But it does have a culture that is, uh, uh, for many people, fairly impenetrable. And people, I think, a lot of people are, are caught a little bit in a time warp 
thinking that Japan is an impossible market to to crack, to try. It's too expensive to go. It's too expensive to uh, uh, to try and dig your yourself a uh, an opportunity there. Uh, but I think that has changed significantly. Even even the costs of travel to Japan, the costs of uh, staying in Japan, uh, the openness of the um, the Japanese to uh, to foreign products and to foreign services, I think has has changed significantly. And I think we're on the verge of even more change uh, because one of the uh, with the United States dropping out of the TPP, Japan took the leadership and took the helm with uh, Prime Minister Abe. Uh, and he, he was doing that, uh, and that is quite a change for Japan, which has been a follower. But in no small part, he was doing that because he is intent on uh, on structural reform in the uh, Japanese economy. This will have a particular impact in the agri-food, in the forestry, in the fisheries area, but it will elsewhere uh, as well. And this is not to say that Japan is going to become uh, a totally free and open uh, uh, society and market, but I think over time we are going to see uh, significant uh, uh, change in that, mm. and I think that provides opportunities for Canadian uh, exporters, both of goods and services. Well, you, you bring up the leadership role that Japan was taking last fall, and I, I think our own country maybe rankled the Japanese. We definitely saw a lot of pushback from the media, the government there, with regards to what happened. Does Canada need to, you know, somehow make I don't know, good on what happened? Is these moving forward with the new trade partnership? Is that what it's going to take here? Well, I think we certainly, uh, uh, I would politely characterize it as a misstep in uh, Da Nang. Uh, Spoken uh, as, of- a, as a career diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, I think it was certainly a misstep. I was in Da Nang, so I, uh, I was close to the non-action. Let me put it uh, that way. <laughs> Uh, I don't think in the in the uh, uh, in my personal history of dealing with Japan Canadian relationships um, over the last uh, many years that I have ever seen the Japanese as a confused, be frustrated, see angry, uh, almost a sense of betrayal on the part of Canada. Sure, uh, we've we've uh, redressed that. Uh, in the negotiations, and we did have some legitimate issues, uh, but uh, they were they. But and it was the style else, in which the Pardon? prime minister. a style in which the prime minister walked out of this. I mean, well, he I, didn't. I think really, that, he, people say he walked out. He actually didn't walk in. He just didn't walk in. Sorry, <laughs> he didn't yeah, walk in. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, the, 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 there were a lot of missteps. Let me put it that way. And uh, not a lot, but there were uh, two or so three. So is it incumbent on Canada now well, to ratify? Well, I think rat- that I think we're back in the game. Yeah. And uh, we we're back in the game. Uh, and we've we've done this. But I think there has, I don't want to call it permanent damage. But I think there certainly have, uh, there's certainly a lot of bruising. Right. Uh, that's going to take some uh, some uh, time to uh, to heal. But that but that's at the at the government, the government level. So I think what happens, and of course, any any trade agreement is just providing the architecture, providing the bridge. It's up to the Canadian private sector uh, to take advantage of the openings that are provided and uh, and charge forward. And I don't think in any way, shape, or form that what what happened in Da Nang or the the, the rocky road to to signing on to the uh, TPP 
you know, it's not affecting the uh, the Japanese business person or the Japanese consumer in any way, shape, or form. No, but at, at a government-to-government level, uh, Don, does does Canada have to get on with ratifying this awfully quickly? To, well, I think in order to demonstrate, I it's, think it's, we should ratify it, not to demonstrate our uh, bona fides. I think we should ratify it because the faster we ratify it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this gives us first mover advantage. Yeah. Uh, there are 11 countries uh, who signed on in Chile earlier this uh, month. Uh, it comes in; the agreement comes into effect as soon as six uh, have uh, ratified, and the six will ratify. Uh, so, for those six, it'll, it'll be uh, the commencement of uh, the, the 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 new engagement. And uh, I would urge the Canadian government; they're talking about ratifying it in the fall. Ratifying it in Canada, of course, is a is an executive action. It does not require parliamentary approval. Having said that, you will require parliamentary approval for a whole array of uh, uh, regulatory and other uh, measures. So it's incumbent upon the uh, the uh, the government in power uh, to bring the agreement for that uh, to uh, Parliament. And I would urge us to do it and not be the last of the the eleven uh, in the door. Vancouver often bills itself as you know, the Pacific Gateway to Asia. Has it been overstated at, at all? Are, are we going to benefit you know, maybe more than the average Canadian city or Canadian jurisdiction with regards to this new trade relationship that we're going to share with Japan moving forward? Oh, I think certainly Vancouver and, uh, and the West and BC, Alberta, uh, will all benefit uh, significantly. You know, Japan is is uh, Canada's fourth largest trading partner. It's BC's third largest trading partner. Uh, BC is less dependent upon the U.S. than anywhere else in uh, Canada, and more dependent on Asia than anywhere else in Canada. And that, right at the the, the, the forefront of that, of course, is uh, our uh, Japan and uh, and China. So I think that the opportunities that will come. Uh, from this agreement are ones for uh, for Vancouver and for BC to take particular advantage of. Don Campbell's our guest. He's the former ambassador to Japan. He's a senior strategy advisor with DLA Piper Canada. You know, I, I've known you and known your work for oh, probably three decades now, uh, Don. Um, and you speak of Japan, uh, I think, in a way that uh, that you probably um, probably suggest that it's changed you. A great deal. I mean, what, what have your experiences there in dealing with the country um, done in terms of transforming your own thinking about global trade, about commerce, about culture? Can you reflect a bit on that? Well, Japan, uh, you know, as a career uh, foreign service officer, I've been many places in the world. Uh, I have spent a lot of my career on economic and trade uh, uh, policy sets of issues. Uh, I lived in Japan for almost five years. Uh, it was, quite frankly, a life-enriching experience for, for me and uh, my family. Uh, Japan is, a, uh, is truly a unique uh, society. Uh, it's, a, it's a country that has uh, been uh, huge uh, in economic terms. It has never uh, swung its weight around the way other countries have and are uh, and are doing. It's been a firm uh, follower of the uh, the World Trade Organization and multilateral trade negotiations. 
this is this uh, over the last 15 years or so this is now switching uh, where they are uh, not only contemplating but signing uh, regional and in some cases bilateral uh, trade agreements so there's been a switch in that uh, approach I think Japan has become uh, more open uh, the cockiness of the bubble economy of the mm-hmm. uh, late 80s is long long oh, yeah. uh, gone uh, it is uh, as the rest of us are it is an aging uh, society, but certainly under uh, Prime Minister Abe, it has become much more assertive. It is seeing itself, of course, uh, un- unable to rely on the United States as its security and other guarantee as it did in the past, or it has that sense. It has a uh, not just an emerging, but a giant China next door, and it sees that it's going to have to play a bigger role uh, internationally and be much more assertive. And I'm not saying this in a military uh, sense, but I'm saying this in a, uh, a geopolitical and a geoeconomic. It already is there in a geoeconomic sense. Uh, so it's, it's, it's starting to, to firm up itself uh, uh, politically in a way that it hasn't in the past. So, and I think that's to be welcomed on the whole and that uh, it, it makes uh, the Canada-Japan relationship all the more important uh, in um, in terms of the role that Canada wants to play in the world, because we think very similarly on many many uh, uh, sets of issues, and they are a, a fairly natural ally uh, for Canada, even among the so-called Western uh, democracies. So I think it's important. Uh, there's an overriding importance uh, to this uh, relationship. Uh, to be frank, it's often been difficult to get Japanese attention, mm-hmm. uh, given our relationship with the United States and the, and our uh, size. So we need to uh, work on this. And I think that the uh, the Japanese, there is an opening with the Japanese in terms of what is happening in uh, south of the border in a way that there has not been in the past. Although and, Prime and Minister Abe, was, he, he was very, very smart. Uh, I, I read a, an anecdote last week in a piece about uh, how he was very quick to get on the plane and get off to Trump Tower when uh, when Donald Trump was elected. Um, he brought him a gold golf club at yes, one he point. Did. He um, did. Uh, the two of them have golfed a couple of times. They've become uh, friends through swinging the clubs together. And they have regular telephone conversations. Yeah, at least twenty that I'm aware of. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they're playing that that card with the U.S., which is of vital importance. Yeah. If you know how to uh, golf, I think you get to, to the them. president's heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe I should take up golfing. We got uh, Mr. Trump on the or President Trump on the show one of these days. <laughs> exactly. So. We'll get him on. Well, excellent. Yeah. Hey, Don, pleasure talking to you. I want to thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. That's Don Campbell. He's former ambassador to Japan, Canada's former ambassador to Japan. He's also senior strategy advisor with DLA Piper Canada. And you're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. I'm Tyler Orton. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Stay with us. We'll be back after this. And that, of course, was Don Campbell, former ambassador to Japan. Very cool conversation that we had with him. I could have picked his brain about this even more. I was in vacationing in Japan just last year. After the uh, the mics went off, uh, we talked a lot about the best uh, hotspots to hit there. Uh, he says that he's actually visited more places in Japan than maybe like the average person in Japan that he's ever encountered there has. So it's kind of cool the way that that works. I'm sure there's lots of visitors to Canada that have been 
much further across the country than I have here. But uh, until next time, I want to thank you all for listening to the Business in Vancouver podcast. Don't forget that this podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. You can also read all of our stories at BIV.com. Until next time, this is the BIV podcast.